says, there your heart will be also. So ends the reading of God's word, and you may be seated, please. You know, to begin, I want us to watch a video. Maybe you've seen it on TV, but this is just a, a portion of one. Have some fun with this and see what life is about. Knoxville, Tennessee is a postcard-perfect town, but severe poverty can be found less than five minutes away in Western Heights. Secret millionaire Danny Johnson is living in this struggling neighborhood as she looks for deserving people to share her wealth. Today, I'm going to meet two women that I heard about yesterday at the Love Kitchen. Good morning. And uh, who are you? I'm Danny. All right, then, honey, let me tell you something. And your name is? Danny. Danny. Yes. All right, Danny, honey. Oh, yes. Yes. And, and we are twins, yes. and uh, she's five minutes older than I am, <laughs> but I'm 50 pounds heavier than she is. You are so good, see? I'm just checking on what kind of volunteering opportunities there are with you guys. Oh, oh honey, it's going to be good, honey. And, and let me tell you something. Do you know anything about the love kitchen, honey? I'm going to hear all about the love kitchen. 82-year-old Helen Ash and Ellen Turner founded the Love Kitchen in 1986 to feed the poor and elderly in Knoxville. On their first day, they cooked 22 meals. Today, they serve over 2,000 people each week with the help of a volunteer staff and private donations. Ellen says all the time, say the Lord sent two because there's so much to be done, you know. And the three truths my daddy taught us, number one, he taught us there is but one Father, and that's the Heavenly Father. Number two, he taught us there is but one race, and that's the human race. Isn't that beautiful? And number three, he taught us not to take the last piece of bread from the table because somebody may come out that's hungry. So the Lord gave me this, this assignment. And it's just like Dr. Martin Luther King, you hear him talk about, I had a dream. I had a dream. And the dream was just love kitchen right here. I am so touched by the story of Helen and Ellen's history. It resonates deep, deep inside of me because it is who we all should be and how we should all live. You know, I look at that and I wonder, how old is too old? Are, are you too old to serve God? Or are you too young to serve God? You know, the point is, neither one is accurate. We're never too young and we're never too old. But that's what it's all about. You know, it's fun for me to come today and, and see worship like this. Do you know one of the biggest problems in a church today, and it doesn't matter what church you go to, they're always going to argue about the music, they're going to argue about the worship, they're going to argue about traditional versus contemporary, they're going to argue about too fast, too loud, too slow, too quiet. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Maybe you've spoken to me, right? <laughs> or to Scott, right? You know, God is God. It doesn't matter how we come and worship Him. And this morning as we come and we talk about what is important in life and what is important in our spiritual life, what a great way to start this. 
Yesterday we spent some time discussing what the purpose of this church is, what the vision of this church is. And the vision of this church is to do what God wants us to do. That simple. Now it gets a little more complex when we try to figure out what that exactly is. But when we get our sight in the right direction, when we begin to get our bucket list in the right areas, then it's going to flow and it's going to go well. It doesn't matter if a keyboardist doesn't come. It doesn't matter if the preacher doesn't show up someday. Wouldn't that be fun? Could you worship without somebody up here preaching? Probably better. Because you would be engaged. You wouldn't just be sitting there and saying, okay, I need to listen now, or I need to just sit here now, or I, what am I going to do now? But you'd be engaged. You know, Christ calls us to come. Christ calls us to be a part of who he is and what he's all about. So let me ask you a question this morning. When is Jesus coming back? Any day, next year, three years from now, maybe 20 minutes from now? See, the issue is not when he's coming back, but is he coming back? And the answer to that is yes. Because God's word tells us that he is coming back. But once we get past that, then it is the issue of when does he come back? And we have no clue. Jesus did not know when they asked him. And if he did not know, how are we going to know? The point there is we better be ready, amen? We better be ready. We better be set. We better have all our ducks in line. We better know what's going on. Doesn't matter how we worship. Doesn't matter whether the preacher's here or not. It doesn't matter what goes on out there, in here, whatever. Are we ready for Christ to come back? There's a story of a pastor who was invited to dinner at this rich man's house. And after dinner, the rich man took him and out on the lawn and he pointed in one direction and he says, see that? 25 years ago, I had nothing. And now I have these oil wells that are just pumping money for me. And he pointed in this direction and he says, see that over there? Look at all those herd, that head of cattle over there. And, and look at that. And, and 25 years ago, I had nothing and now I have all of these cattle. And he pointed over in this direction. He says, look at the grain over there and just the fields ripe for harvest and, and how beautiful it is. And 25 years ago, I had nothing and now I have all of this grain. And then he pointed over in this direction and he said to them, and, and look over there, look at the trees, look at the forest that is there. 25 years ago, I had nothing and now I have all of this. And then he stopped and paused and waited for the pastor to say, oh, well done. Wow, aren't you fortunate? Instead, the pastor looked at him and he says, you know, look up. What do you have up there? And the rich man got the point that we can have everything out here, but if we don't have it right up here, then it is not right. This morning, we're going to talk about accumulating. Oh, I love to accumulate some of you love to accumulate. Some of you are hoarders. Any hoarders out here? Yeah, I knew you wouldn't admit it. <laughs> you know, we get on this earth and we think, I need to get more, and I need to get more, and I need to get more, and we start taking it all in. We spend so much time accumulating the treasure that is out here that we forget about the treasure 
that is up there. So what does the Bible talk about when it talks about earthly treasures? You know, what's the whole point here? Well, a couple of things. And the first is that wealth comes from God. Now, don't think it comes from yourself. Wealth comes from God. First Chronicles 29, 12, Old Testament says, Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. New Testament, James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above. All that we have, all that we are, is a gift from God. Wealth comes from God. The second thing is earthly treasures. They can become an idol just like anything else. Luke chapter 12, the parable about the rich farmer. You remember how that goes? This farmer's really successful. He has all of this grain and he decides, you know, I'm going to go and build more bins, more areas to put this grain. And so he builds them and, and the parable says something like, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. You fool, this very night. You can do all the planning you want. You can build all the barns you want. You can build all these storage silos you want. But you don't know whether tonight is going to be your last night or tomorrow or the next day. You see the point here? We don't know what the future holds. We don't know how long we will have on this earth. We don't know when Christ will be coming back. And so we get there and we think about this and we think, if we do not know these things, then we have to get ready for that which we do not know. You know, it seems like all these years we've been rich towards ourselves, but we haven't been rich towards God. All these years we've had our mind on our money and our money on our mind. All these years we've been planning for retirement. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. But are we planning for post-retirement? You know, I've never seen a magazine written about post-retirement. You know, you look at Money Magazine, you look at Kiplinger Magazine, you look at Smart Money, and it all talks about retirement. But never have I seen one about post-retirement. Are we building up treasures in heaven? Are we getting ready for that day when Christ comes back and he takes us to be with him? I find it also interesting that so often we decide, you know, okay, I'm going to get everything I can get here on earth so I have a good later days. And do you realize that we begin accumulating those things which we can't take with us? Isn't that interesting? That we spend so much time, so much energy, so much thought on getting everything that we have to leave behind. A lot of wasted time, it sounds like to me. In our passage that Pastor Mary read, verse 19, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. You see, and, and Jesus isn't saying here that earthly treasures are bad. But what he is saying here is that we should not accumulate those earthly treasures and make those things the focus of our life. I'm not sure I like hearing this. 
Because if I was a prudent financial planner, I'd be saying to you, okay, you need this much money to retire. You need this much money to pay your house off with. You need this much money to live on. You need, you need, you need. It seems like we forget the most important things about what we need. The things that really count, the things that we can take with us, not the things that we cannot take with us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says that God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Hmm, everything for our enjoyment. Well, sure, pastor, so then I need to have everything. The problem is, with that, is he provides everything for our enjoyment, but let us not love the creation, let us love the creator. Do you get the point of that? Do you understand what we are talking about here? That the relationship needs to be with God. The relationship does not need to be with the things down here. Kind of back to that worship idea, isn't it? It isn't how we do worship that makes worship so important. It makes who we worship the thing that is important. I loved it when we didn't sing with any, any accompaniment at all. We had to sing from our hearts. That is good. Oh, I love the piano. You know, it, it fills, it adds. And yet our worship, us and God, do not accumulate things on earth. So, verse 20. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So then the question comes, what exactly are these treasures that we have in heaven? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says, We will be storing up for ourselves an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Do you know how many people start thinking about, okay, if, uh, let's see, let me look out here and see who's retired. Barb, you're retired. Mm -hmm. Joanne, you're not this Joanne, but the Joanne behind Joanne. You can't be retired, Joanne. <laughs> Don't you even think about it. Yeah, yeah. Joanne Zinder is retired. James, you're not retired. You can't be retired yet. But, you know, you, you look at retirement, you begin to think, how much money do I need that I can retire, right? And they have these formulas, and, and you know, if you withdraw 4%, you know, each year, you know, that probably make it till you die. You have enough money if you had enough to begin with. And, you know, all of these kind of things that are out there. And yet we forget, again, the most important thing. The inheritance, the things that will not fade, the things that will not perish, the things that will not spoil. And so we are told, what are those things? Interesting question. You see, another treasure that besides this inheritance is a treasure of God's approval. Do you have God's approval? Will God say to you someday, well done, good and faithful servant? Will that come? Will that happen? Are you doing things today that God is putting in your heavenly bank? Are you doing that? You know, one of the things, as you know, that has just gone on in the church is this passing away of uh, this 35-year-old man. And 
when Mary and I think about that life and that life that was lived, and I, we think about the neighbors of Nick, and one of the things the neighbors of Nick put themselves into Nick and Susie's life, and they pointed the direction to God. It was through Sumner Presbyterian Church. And how special that is when that kind of thing happens that those people then are making an inheritance. They made an inheritance by passing on something to somebody else that would make a difference. You know, the whole issue for us discussing this week and the weeks previous and the weeks to come is what difference does it make that we are Christians in somebody else's life? Do you think it made a difference that Bob and Kathy Spicer had Jesus Christ in their life? Do you think that made a difference? Do you think it made a difference to Susie and to Nick and to the two children? Do you think that made a difference? No, it's not how much we accumulate here on earth. It's what we put into heaven. And they put God's word into the lives of this family. And this family found Jesus. And so we could confidently say as we stood here and as we shared this service with the family, we confidently could say that Nick is in heaven. We have no doubts about that. Do you think that's worthwhile? Do you think that's giving yourself for something important? It really is. So let's see. What is my bank account? Hmm. What is my heavenly account? Hmm. Which one's important? But pastor, we need things to live on. I don't take that away from us. We do need things to live on. But do we worship the things we live on? Do we worship the things we accumulate? Or do we place our things in the heavenly bank? Do we get God's approval? And will we hear one day those words, well done, good and faithful servant? Because we do not know when Jesus will come again. We do not know when we will be taken up. We do not know that. But we do know that we are to work for God's approval. The next thing is, a treasure is knowing that God loves us. Knowing that I'll get to live with Him forever and ever. Do you know that? Do you know that in your life right now? That you will get to live with God forever and ever? That's something you can do today. It's not something you have to worry about. I, I guess I'm really concerned about when I, I find people in the church who've been in the people in the church for years, and, and they get something in their life where maybe they're having surgery or, or they're not feeling well, and, and they begin to think, well, am I really going to go to heaven? What gets us to heaven? It's not our work. It's not our bank account. It's not how many houses or boats or any of those things. What gets us to heaven is what? Is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Is having Jesus Christ in our hearts as Lord and Savior. That is what does it. You want to talk about priorities? You want to talk about what's important? You want to talk about what is lasting and that the rest will not take away? It is our relationship with Jesus Christ. That is our ticket. So wait a minute, but our discussion is what difference does it make that Jesus is in our life for somebody else? 
And the difference there is that we take what is in our heart and we share it with somebody else. That's the great news. The, the great news here is you can share that with somebody else and you don't lose it. In fact, you get more. Does that make sense? Share it with somebody else. It increases. I don't know how that math works, but I know it does. Hmm. Knowing that God loves me, knowing that I'll get to live with Him forever, hmm. for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, where your treasure is, that is what you're going to be thinking about. That's what we're going to be focusing on. That's what we're going to care about the most. You remember in Mark chapter 10, the story of the rich young ruler? You remember he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to be saved? Then he goes, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. And he's feeling pretty good about himself. And Jesus says, you know, go and take what you have and give it to the poor. You remember what his comment was? Basically, it was something like, I can't do it. I love my earthly treasures. I can't give up everything. And he turned away and walked away. See, the problem wasn't that he had possessions. The problem was that his great possessions had him. Maybe you can point this direction and see all that you have and point this direction and see all you have in this direction and this direction. But what about that direction? Have you stored treasures in heaven? I find it also interesting that we let occupy our time those things that are just here for a short time. Let me close with a couple things here. You know, I, I'm not much of a gambler because I like a sure thing. Probably why I follow Jesus. But I understand there's a game called roulette. Now, some of you know about these things much better than I do. And, and when I was first married, you know, we used to, when we lived in California, you know, we weren't too far away from Las Vegas. And, and we kept getting these advertisements in the Sunday, you know, the parade magazine. And on the back page, I loved it. Because it talked about that they would give you two nights in Las Vegas. And they would give you $300 worth of gaming chips. And all it would cost you was $300. Now, that's a pretty good deal. You get two free nights. They threw in a buffet. That really appealed to me. Two free nights, a buffet, and $300 in gaming chips. Why would they do that? Why? It's a sure thing for them, but they're giving up two nights and... They're giving me $300 of gaming chips. Better than having an empty room, all right. Plus, 
And I'm not going to stop at $300. They get you in the door, then they empty your wallet, right? But I had it all figured out here. I mean, you got to figure, I'm going to play the odds on this. And I'm thinking blackjack, you know, your odds are best. Well, I hear odds are best in blackjack. <laughs> You know, and I'm pretty smart, and I'm a competitor, and, and you know, I could do this, but, but I might lose, too. And that didn't appeal to me. Yeah, all my money. So don't gamble, James. Oh, you're worried about me. Well, you should be. <laughs> but, but it's not about me, but let's talk about me here. And so I, I had it figured out. There was this game called roulette, and I understand that you can either bet on the black or the red, right? Leon, is that right? I know you've read about this, right? Your, your brother, okay. And, and so I had it figured out. I could pay $300. Marsh and I could have this room in this hotel for two nights, a free buffet, and all I would have to do is take that $300 of gaming chips, place... 150 on the red and 150 on the black. And, and then, from what I understand, I saw Don shaking his head back here. The only way I could lose if it came upon, is it double zero? On double zero. So what are the odds there? I don't know how many numbers there are or how many spaces, but there are a lot of them. Say it's 50 to 1. Those are great odds that it's not going to end up on double zero. So if I do that... I'm going to get $300 of real money back. I've got my money back. I got two free nights. I got a buffet, and I'm a happy camper. <laughs> what? What's the problem with that, Joe? What? The odds. No, it's almost 50-50. Well, just that double zero. Yeah, that was my concern is I'm going to put all that money on those and then I'm going to get the double zero and then I'm going to cry. But, get my point here. If I have those kind of odds, I got it made. Now think about heaven. Okay, never mind about heaven. Wouldn't it be neat though if I went into that casino and I knew exactly what color that little ball was going to end up on? Wouldn't that be neat? If I knew that it was going to end up on the black color, what would I do? I would put all my money on black. Instead of 150, I'd put 300, and I'd get 600 back. Yeah! <laughs> That's the kind of gambling I like. If I knew that for sure, then I'd have it made. Why do I tell you this stupid story? The reason why is when you know what God is doing and you know that if you store your treasures in heaven, you are guaranteed victory. You are guaranteed to win. Why do we not then take all that we have and we put it on God rather than our earthly treasures. Store up not 
your money and all your things on earthly treasures, but store them on heavenly treasures. Doesn't that make sense to you? If you trust what God's Word says, then you know this life here on earth is temporary, but the life in heaven will be eternal. And so two things. One, you need to make sure you have that relationship with Jesus Christ because then you're in heaven. And two, you need to begin to build treasures here on earth that will be in heaven. Makes sense, doesn't it? Let me close with a, a quote from Patrick Henry. Anybody hear of Patrick Henry? Mm-hmm. Prominent figure, American Revolution. This is what he said. You know, he was a guy who said, give me liberty or give me death. Near the end of his life, he made the following statement. I have now bequeathed all my property to my family. There is one thing more I wish I could give them, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. If they had that, and I had not given them a single shilling, they would have been rich. And if they had not that, and I had given them all the world, they would be poor indeed. My friends, what's the best bet? I think I'm putting my money on God. I think I'm putting my money on storing those treasures in heaven, not here on earth. Let's pray. Lord God, what difference does it make that we have you to somebody else? It can make all the difference in the world. Oh my, Lord, thank you. Thank you that we do this. Thank you that we go and, and we make this a part of who we are. Thank you that we see what is totally important to us today. Lord God, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to receive the offering and we're going to have an offertory played. And then as we are preparing for communion, I want us to see a video. It's, uh, it's a song, and, but it has a message to it. So let's go ahead, if we could have the ushers come forward to receive the offering.
<laughs> you know, is, is a pastor allowed to change their mind? Okay, we're going to see the video after communion. So, so Pastor Mary and Joe, if you'll come, they're going to lead us in our communion today.